Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to The Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. And welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Happy New Year to all of you joining us across the Faith Radio Network, as well as so many uh, who perhaps don't have a terrestrial Faith Radio Tower in their vicinity, but you have connected with us either on the Faith Radio app, which is excellent. I love it on my iPhone. Or you're subscribed on one of the many podcast platforms, either on an Android device, an iOS device, or you're listening archived on the website, wherever you're listening Uh, From today, I welcome you to this show. Uh, Our vision and the vision of this entire program is to help you love God and love Jesus Christ with your heart, soul, and mind, putting him first, having a cognitive faith. Now, D.L. Moody is someone that I hope you're aware of. I love reading Christian biographies. One of my early spiritual disciplines outside of reading the Bible, but to find inspiration in my life, uh, my dad encouraged me to read Christian biographies. Something I think we lost in the Reformation is we really don't know who the great saints of previous generations are and how they were used by God tremendously. And of course, you've probably heard of one of the different iterations of Moody Bible Church or the wonderful Moody Evangelistic Ministry. He was really the Billy Graham of the 1800s. Well, D.L. Moody would say out of 100 men, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian. That reminds me of another individual who said there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian, and many often never read the first four. Well, today we're talking about Bible-ish Christianity on the show. Listen, why most Christians know just enough about the Bible to be dangerous. I have had thousands of questions submitted to me at Christian Thinkers Society in our live events on our website at christianthinkers.com and through this show at askjjj.com. So much confusion out there when it, as it relates to the Christian and the Bible. Remember what Harper Lee said, the Bible in the hand of one man can sometimes be more dangerous than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. And so it's not hard to do uh, heresy. It happens all the time when we don't have context when we read the Bible, when we don't have good hermeneutics or interpretation skills. So we're going to be discussing Bible-ish Christianity today on the program. I want to encourage you to stay with us wherever you're listening for the entire hour. My friend Brian Daniel from Lifeway Christian Resources will join us for the final program today. And we're going to be taking your questions as well. This is a wonderful session where we can discuss Bible-ish Christianity. Again, I want to thank you for joining us across the Faith Radio Network. If you can't listen to us regularly live, will you please subscribe to the podcast? 
And don't be afraid to leave us a review. We, we really appreciate all the reviews and the feedback that we're receiving from this program. And just a quick reminder to please join our ministry email list at ChristianThinkers.com. I write emails uh, that come that just give simply lots of updates about how the Holy Spirit is using Christian Thinkers Society around the globe. We give God glory for that, and we definitely want to connect with you. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. And don't forget, this show is interactive. It's really developed out of the questions that you ask, so you can submit those again at www.askjjj.com. Now let's talk about the bestseller, Nobody Reads, because don't forget uh, what Mark Twain said, a classic is a book that people praise and don't read. Let's not let that be the Bible in our life. I want to take you to the message right now. When it comes to the Bible, most people don't know what they don't know. When we think about the Bible that we have today, it is an absolute miracle that we even have one. That anything survives at all from the first century world of Jesus is a sheer miracle. And when we think about the Bible that we have in our English language, most are totally unacquainted with these valiant stories of how this Bible came together and how it was distributed. I think of the great William Tyndall from the 16th century. Did you know that he was a personal friend of Anne Boleyn, Anne of a Thousand Days? And yet it was William Tyndall who was arrested and in prison for the last 500 days of his life here on earth in Vilvorde Castle in Belgium. Do you know why? He was arrested for having the audacity to translate the scriptures from the original languages into the common English language. We have Tyndall to thank for the English Bibles that we have. He gave his life. He was burned at the stake. These are just some of the amazing stories as we think about how the Bible came together. The Bible is the bestseller of all time, and yet most Christians don't know enough about it. They wish they knew more. If we say we love the Bible, if we say we respect the scriptures, if we really believe it's God's word, shouldn't we pay them a little bit more respect by getting to know the stories, the amazing adventure of how the Bible came to be? To that issue, we now turn. We're going to be back in 90 seconds, continuing my message, the bestseller, Nobody Reads. Stay with us. This is the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Welcome back to my message for you. During my doctoral residency in Oxford, I made it my personal goal to spend as much time as possible studying the oldest and most valuable fragments and manuscripts of the Bible. I went to the University of Manchester and studied the famous St. John's Fragment at the John Rylands Library. It's known as P52, that is Papyrus 52, and it has the distinction of being the oldest fragment of the New Testament, and it dates to 125 AD. Think about that, the original. The autograph of the Gospel of John was written just 25 to 30 years before this copy that I was holding in my hand right there at the University of Manchester. It's that famous scene where Pilate is interrogating Jesus and the subject of truth comes up. Jesus says, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Of course, Pilate responds, what is truth? That's our oldest New Testament fragment. It's only two and a half by three and a half inches, but it contains seven lines on both sides from John chapter 18. Not only did I spend time with the oldest fragment of the New Testament, I also spent time with the second oldest fragment, known as P64, remember, Papyrus 64, or the Jesus fragment. 
It's actually three fragments from the same chapter, Matthew 26, where Jesus is anointed before his death. This famous fragment is located at Maudlin College in Oxford, and it dates to the late 2nd century. It is an awe-inspiring reality to know that you have read, translated, studied, and personally handled the most priceless artifacts of the Christian church. I mean, think about it. These ancient biblical manuscripts are the oldest Christian artifacts. They are the earliest archaeological records that we have of our Christian faith. It was on a cold, snowy, dark afternoon in Oxford when I was studying yet another ancient biblical manuscript that God birthed the vision in my heart to launch my ministry, Christian Thinkers Society. God showed me that he was not allowing me to be trained at the highest levels and exposed to these amazing ancient manuscripts to simply be a reservoir. No, God was calling me to be a channel. Here's my point. While studying the Bible, albeit some of the most ancient biblical manuscripts, God called me to the cause and purpose for my life. Let me say it another way. Had I not been studying biblical manuscripts, immersing myself in the Word of God, translating the Scriptures, I am not convinced I would have ever discovered God's purpose and will for my life. Point number one, if I am in the Word of God, I will discover and implement God's will for my life. It is a powerful statement to be in a position to say, I am at the center of God's will for my life. There is not a stronger statement that anyone can make. Are you walking in favor right now? Are you walking with a purpose in your life, a purpose to your marriage, a purpose for your family or for your business? I think of the priest Ezra from the Old Testament. After 70 years of captivity, God raises up one man, Ezra, to lead his people back to Jerusalem to reclaim the land. The book of Ezra is only 10 chapters, but guess what? Five times in those ten chapters, it says, the good hand of God was upon him. The hand of my God was upon me. Ezra 7.6 states that Ezra was skilled in the law of Moses. What does that mean? Ezra was committed to the word of God. And guess what? God was committed to him. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. We're living in a time of darkness and a time of so much confusion. Have you noticed how confused you can become when you get away from God's will for your life? I've spent countless hours caring for families in our churches and students in our universities. And I have to say, it's amazing how the fog of life lifts when we're committed to the lamp of God's truth. You see, here's the point. We have a lot of intellectually useless Christians. They know enough to be dangerous. It reminds me of Harper Lee's words in the famous novel, To Kill a Mockingbird, chapter 5, when Miss Motti says, sometimes the Bible in the hand of one man is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. I can sit here and regale you about all the reasons we can trust the Bible, the veracity of Scripture, the manuscript attestation, the archaeological discoveries that confirm the truth claims of the Bible. We can study manuscript variants, all the Greek recensions. But if you have not committed yourself to the Bible, it does you no good. Let me illustrate it this way. During Michaelmas term in Oxford, that's basically September to Christmas each year, I would attend the Faculty of Theology meeting, the doctoral seminars in Oxford. When I was there, it took place at Keeble College, one of the Oxford University colleges. 
Theology and Biblical Studies students from all the Oxford University colleges would gather together with their Greek New Testaments and their Greek Septuagints, that's the Greek Old Testament, to hear papers and discuss the pressing questions of the day. I want to share my heart with you. Do you know what I remember about those doctoral seminars? These were fine people, enjoyable people, fun people. Do you know it's possible to know the Bible and not believe it? I had a guy on my right, girl on my left, Greek manuscripts in their hand, but when asked if they believe the Bible, it just stops right at the neckline. In my doctoral defense, they called it viva voce, meaning defend yourself with a living voice in Oxford. My examiner read my 95,000-word thesis on the resurrection of Jesus, and his first question was this, Jeremiah, after all your research, do you actually believe Jesus rose from the dead, or is that just imaginative storytelling? Of course, I answered that the evidence compelled me to believe in the resurrection with all my heart. My examiner's response is something I'll never forget. A Bible scholar. Interesting. I don't see it that way. You know, here's the point. You can know about things intellectually, and yet they never penetrate your heart. It is not enough to know the Bible intellectually or evidentially. We don't really know the Bible until we encounter it spiritually and experientially. So yes, let's study the Bible and why we can trust it. But that's not the goal. If we looked at your calendar the past month, how much time have you spent yourself studying God's Word? What verses have you meditated on? What passages have you committed to memory? My grandfather, John Wesley Johnston, he discipled me for years. He's nearly 90 years of age, and yet he still teaches his Lifeway Sunday School curriculum every Sunday morning at the church he attends, a Baptist church in Lenexa, Kansas. J.W., as we call my grandpa, reads his Bible through from Genesis to Revelation every 11 weeks. He reads five chapters per day, 20 on Sunday. For him, he says it's always been a discipline. You know, it's amazing the wisdom one man can have when he reads the Bible through four times a year. You know, my grandpa taught me something. He was of the opinion that you can't really learn a principle until you've applied it to your life. He taught me the KD principle. The letter K... And the letter D, know what the word says, then do it. Then he taught me the MA principle, and he told me, you know, Jeremiah, when you do your PhD, just never forget, it's what you learn after you know it all that really matters. I love my grandpa. So he taught me the MA principle. You can't know the Bible until you understand what it means, and you haven't learned the Bible until you apply it to your life. All of us, we need the KD principle. We need the know and do principle. We need the M.A. principle, know the meaning. We need to apply the word to our life. The famous Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard was fond of saying, the Bible is very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. Point number two. If I am in the Bible, it will give me strength and wisdom. Here's the issue. In the whole history of the church, we have the most educated Christians of all time sitting in our pew, and yet they are more ignorant of what the Bible actually says than ever before. It's called biblical illiteracy, and the numbers are off the charts. They're alarming. Today's church is malnourished. I like to illustrate it this way. My wife and I have a hobby together of healthy cooking. 
Well, really, she does the cooking and I do the eating, but it's a great hobby. We were watching a cooking show, and the host pointed out all the tools that we have to become better cooks in the kitchen. We have more cooking shows, more cookbooks, more cooking blogs, and yet the statistics show that more people are eating out. You know what came to my mind? We have more Bible translations, more Bible study aids, more devotionals. Our bookstores are flooded with Christian resources, but for all that, people are reading and studying the Bible less and less. The American Bible Society releases an annual report on the state of the Bible. Did you know that 42% of Christians say they're just too busy to read the Bible? 39% of millennials say they never read the Bible. One in four adults say they never read the Bible. Only one in four Americans can correctly identify that the truth will set you free is actually a Bible verse. That's John 8, 32. One-third of Americans believe the statement, God works in mysterious ways, is found in the Bible. Actually, that's William Cooper who wrote those words in a hymnal in the 1700s. And yet, for all this lack of knowledge, an overwhelming percentage of Americans believe the Bible is the Word of God. Nearly 80% of Americans say the Bible is God's Word. 49% of Americans, though, say the Bible contains everything you need to know to live a meaningful life. Did you know the average household owns three to ten copies of the Bible? I mean, think, how many Bibles do you have in your home? The Bible is still the best-selling book every year. On average, 25 million Bibles are sold annually. Now, think about that for a moment. Just consider this. Publishers manage to sell 25 million new copies each year of a book everyone already owns. The Gideons International gives away a Bible every second. One publisher sells 60 different editions of the Bible. We have the All Seasons Waterproof Bible. We have the Skater's Bible, the Surfer's Bible, the Cowboy Bible, the Stay-at-Home Mom Bible, and for kids, we even have the Superheroes Bible. And don't worry, for those of you who are just too busy, we even have the 100-minute Bible. You can learn everything you need to know about the Bible in less than two hours. We have the James Earl Jones, Denzel Washington, and Johnny Cash audio Bibles. And I could keep going. Did you know that most Americans, 72%, believe the Bible is available in all languages? When in fact, over 50% of the world's languages still do not actually have a Bible translation of their own. Uh, But don't worry, all you Star Trek fans out there. Never mind half the world's languages, who needs earth, the Bible has been translated into Klingon for all aliens to read on Star Trek. Bibles and other religious books, it's a $2.5 billion business in America, yet Christians are increasingly illiterate in the story of the Bible, never mind what it actually says. So we have to stop. We have to examine our priorities. We have to stop giving lip service about the Bible and actually get our nose in the pages and learn it. You know how long it takes to read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelation in just one year? Only 15 minutes a day. Can I ask you, do you have 15 minutes a day that you can give to God every day of your life for one year? Will you examine your priorities? Here's what it comes down to. We need to get on our knees physically. We need to open up our calendars, our schedule books on our knees. And we need to put them before Almighty God and say, God, I'm going to rearrange my priorities before you right now. 
God, you're going to be number one in my life, even if that means I have to totally rearrange my schedule. If I'm in the Bible, I will have strength and wisdom, but make no mistake, you will have a word define you that should. Stability. Does stability define your life right now? If I'm in the word of God, I will become convicted when there is sin and disobedience in my life. Do you remember what Jeremiah 23:29 says? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Sometimes we read the word of God, it's medicinal. It's exactly what we need to heal us. Sometimes we're hard-hearted. We read the Bible, and it's like a hammer that just breaks that hard-heartedness apart. I once did a Reformation study of Germany and was amazed to learn that Martin Luther, that great German reformer, as a wanted man, hid in one of the castles of Frederick the Wise. And Martin Luther was so determined to translate the Bible into the common German tongue. Do you know what he did? He was a wanted man. He couldn't be seen in public. So he would dress up like a woman, go out into the pubs outside of Wartburg Castle, literally to work on his German translation for the Bible. He said, for some years now, I've read through the Bible twice every year. If you picture the Bible to be a mighty tree and every word a little branch, I have shaken every word of these branches because I wanted to know what it was and what it meant. It was Martin Luther. I want to ask you, when we think about these great heroes of the faith who have given their lives and risked their lives to give us a Bible, how much effort are you putting into increasing in your Bible experience every day? Jeremiah 15, 16 Your words were found and I ate them. Your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. If I'm in the word of God, I will successfully resist temptation and compromise in my life. Remember Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7, and 10. Jesus continually said what? It is written, quoting Deuteronomy, to resist the devil. I can draw a striking comparison. In the Muslim world, the highest honor is to be known as a hafiz or a hafisa if you're a woman. You know what a hafiz is? A hafiz means guardian in the Arabic. And they are people who have memorized and can recite from memory the entire Quran in Arabic. Did you know there are thousands of Muslim youth sleeping on the floors of mosques, working every single day to memorize the 600-page Arabic text of the Quran? Most Christians do not even know how the Quran compares with the Bible, and they don't realize that the Quran is actually smaller than the New Testament. I think we can do better as a church, don't you? I think we can offer God more of our day and our time. Will you commit to be in God's Word regularly? Not to check some box that you're a good Christian, but to get to know the Word of God. And the God who created this universe and has a great plan and purpose for your life. When I read the word of God, I get to know God who will strengthen me and give me wisdom. I close this session with this brief story. Living in Oxford, I was invited to go to Corpus Christi College in Cambridge. A medieval professor, Dr. Chris DeHamel, hosted me in the famous old Parker Library. When I arrived, Professor DeHamel had a stack of volumes sitting on the table that were valued. He said, oh, those, those books right there, 10 million pounds. I saw an original autograph of Erasmus, an original autograph of John Calvin, Martin Luther, even King Alfred. And then I saw a very rare letter from Anne Boleyn to William Tyndall. 
and of a thousand days as she's been remembered because of her very short reign. You remember she reigned from age 26 to 29 when she was executed. She was a champion of using her influence to ensure an English Bible was created and disseminated throughout all of England. In 1534, Anne was presented with a copy of William Tyndall's New Testament, complete with her coat of arms on the title page. This showed the boldness of those Christians because Tyndale's New Testament was a banned book. Possessing it was punishable by death. The words of Tyndale today are more widely used than William Shakespeare. Have you used the term, let there be light? A man after his own heart? The salt of the earth? The truth shall make you free? Fight the good fight? These are all English translations from the hand of William Tyndale. Sitting there in that library, I was struck by the miracle it is that we even have a Bible to read at all. This Bible has been suppressed, banned, burned, outlawed, and yet it remains. Our Christian brothers and sisters did not give their lives so that we could have a Bible in our own language, three to twelve copies in our own home, and never read it. I leave you with this thought. D.L. Moody once said, In prayer we talk to God. In Bible study, God talks to us, and we had better let God do most of the talking. Let's make a fresh commitment to open the Bible regularly, to listen and apply what God is saying to us. This is Jeremiah. We're going to be back in 90 seconds with more teaching discussing Bible-ish Christianity, why most Christians know just enough about the Bible to be dangerous. Stay with us. I'll be back in 90 seconds. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is the show that equips you with a thinking faith. We don't tell you what to think, but we hopefully inspire you with a biblical worldview that encourages you to take every question, every thought captive, and bring it through the filter of God's Word. We've been discussing the power of the Bible in the Christian journey today. We've been discussing how to know it, how to apply it, how to understand the meaning. And we can't really know the Bible or apply it until we understand the meaning and in its general and larger context with us. And as I said at the very beginning of the program, I quoted one of my Christian heroes, D.L. Moody, out of 100 people, one will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian. And I think it's important right along discussing the importance of the Bible is to also discuss the power of our personal testimony using the scriptures, infusing that with the power of our personal testimony, because, again, there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The fifth one is the Christian, and many never read the first four. And so if you are a follower of Jesus today, we have to remind ourselves lovingly, and yet very specifically, people are reading our life before they ever crack open the Bible. And something that I realized early on, actually, when I was pastoring, There are many people that just simply have never been taught how to share their testimony. Have you heard this word? Sometimes we don't hear it as much as I would like to see it mentioned in the scriptures, or excuse me, and mentioned in the local church today. How do we share our testimony? Your testimony is how Jesus Christ transformed your life. And what's really cool is if you and I open up the book of Acts, and I'm thinking specifically of chapters 
like Acts 20, when Paul reads, meets the Ephesian elders at Miletus, or when Paul is giving an apologia, a defense, that's that Greek word, he gives a reason, he's giving a defense for why he believes Jesus is resurrected in Acts chapter 26 before King Agrippa. When you study the great ways in which people stood for their faith, even Stephen early on in the book of Acts, you're going to see that there's actually some guardrails to how they shared their testimony. And I want to just share a personal story to begin with. Back, you know, my ministry began teaching Bible study. Um, long before there was a Christian Thinker Society ministry, Audrey and I felt led to teach the Bible. And so we started a Bible study group. And in our Bible study, we asked everyone to simply write out their personal testimony of how Jesus Christ transformed their life and what the Bible means to them today. And do you know that it was a wonderful experience, but it was much more challenging for many of the people in our Bible study than what I had anticipated, because most people have never actually written out their personal testimony before. So let me give you three guardrails in the next 90 seconds of our Power Teaching segment of how do you, how do you share your testimony. And friends, if you have never written out your personal testimony of how Jesus Christ changed your life, please make it a resolution, make it a commitment this year that you are going to write out your personal testimony and take as much time as you need. But point number one, and I get this right from Acts chapter 26, verses 2 through 5, make sure that you point to your life first before Jesus Christ. Now, we don't glorify our sin. We don't, you know, and don't get into all the gory details. I think we do that often to the detriment of the power of our whole testimony. But make sure you explain. Secondly, then, and I take this right out of Acts 26, verses 12 through 18, how your life then changed, how Jesus Christ changed your life. What was that? And it might not be, by the way, a dramatic conversion. I mean, I came to Christ at age seven, but there was a very real commitment to Christ. And then the growth and the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ in my life continued to transform me from that day forward. So it's not always this terrible, you know, uh, story and then a glory. It's it's this wonderful story of growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, which is just as powerful. And then the third guardrail is. Uh, and this, I get this right out of Acts 26, 24 to 26. Others may question your story, but they can't easily dismiss the reality of a transformed life. And so share how Jesus Christ has transformed your life. Share that the power of the scriptures has been unleashed in your life. That I am not what I was, but praise God, I'm different today. And I'm going to be different tomorrow. And I'm going to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you know what's cool? You can go home and you can read Acts 26 verses 2 through 26 and you can see the power of Paul's testimony that he gave from right in front of King Agrippa one of the most powerful people of his day and he said you remember what he said to Paul you almost persuade me to be a Christian and you know what when we share our testimony this is the fourth and final key in this power segment we leave the results up to God our job is to share our story. Our job is to believe the Bible, to share the powerful power of our personal testimony. We leave the results up to Scripture. Someone may look at you and say, you almost persuade me. That's okay. You leave the results up to the Holy Spirit. We're going to be back in 90 seconds. Stay with us. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio.
friends. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I'm joined by my good friend Brian Daniel, who gives leaderships to group Bible studies at the world's largest Christian publisher, Lifeway Christian Publishing. Brian and I worked together from the very beginning, uh, back with the source material to develop the unanswered Bible study. And I just, friends, I want to make sure you know, as the author, as the as the readers of so many Bible studies and materials, there are so many silent partners, if you will, who work behind the scenes and steward these publishing projects along. You can think of your favorite Christian authors right now, and I want you to know there's some person behind the scenes who either affirmed that author or certainly edited that author's work to really make it have the impact that it made in your life. And Brian Daniel is that for me as it relates to the Unanswered series. Um, Brian, I just want to thank you again for just the great leadership that you showed. And then, of course, with our good friend Philip Nation as well, who used to be at Lifeway, who really saw that this was a way in which we could really do it at a Bible study level and discuss these trending unanswered questions. And we've been discussing that. Uh, If you're just joining the radio program this entire month, we've been airing audio excerpts from the unanswered Bible study. We're talking about questions you don't often hear in church, like, what do I do if God seems silent? I mean, what if I feel like God's unfriended me on Facebook or perhaps unfollowed me? Uh, There are 7,487 promises in God's word, and yet I feel like God isn't speaking to me. How do we hear God's voice when he seems silent? That's one of the six questions that we discuss, and I'm talking with Brian right now. And Brian, you give leadership to all of these Bible studies, and it's given you I mean, more than a seminary education, you literally have a doctorate in how to do Bible studies effectively. What is the nature and the role of doubt, though? Because we really speak to this in the Unanswered Bible Study. I love what Lee Strobel said in the foreword to the trade book version of Unanswered. He said that his path to atheism was paved with doubts and with unanswered questions. But just when he when he came to faith in Christ... It didn't mean that his his questions stopped. They just changed. They were different, and it really drove him to become the apologist that he is. But can you just discuss for a few minutes, given your wealth of experience in architecting so many Bible studies, just the nature and the role of doubt in the Christian life? I appreciate all of the uh, kind words, Jeremiah, but I think it ought to be said how much work you actually put into unanswered (laughs) as well. You put a (laughs) lot of hours into this. So doubt... Um, um, the Bible study unanswered, as you've said, addresses these questions, these these nagging unanswered questions, the uh, subtitle "Lasting Truth for Trending Questions." I think it I think it ought to be um, stated just how universal, how cosmic the fall was, hmm. and that that decision. Re- con- continues to reverberate over everything we do, not only did all of creation fell, so that includes not just us as men and women, but also like even things like the weather, as you know, but also emotions. And so God allows emotions because there must be something redemptive that could come out of those because we know God is a good God. So doubt is one of those things that can be, it can go either way. It can be redemptive. Or it can lead us to despair. That's good. So I feel like a redemptive doubt leads you to Scripture. It leads you to God for the answers. I have one of my daughters is reading Genesis now. She's coming to me with all these questions that, I'll be honest, I put to bed a long time ago, and I'm having to get those questions off, out, <laughs> dust them off, and revisit them again. And it's not easy. I told her the other day that you just, if it drives you to Scripture, it ultimately is good. 
And so what Unanswered has done in that context, I think, is it takes these questions that, let's face it, Jeremiah, we have answers for those in the book that we're wrestling with, but they're, they're, they can be troublesome. Absolutely. But if it points you to Scripture and it points you back to God, it's just something that takes some time. And that's the life of a disciple. You don't get it all here. You only get pieces of it here. And maybe not even – you may not even come close to getting all the answers here. But in your sanctification, in your discipleship, if you're moving towards it, that's a good thing. And I'd like to think that that's what this unanswered content will do for groups and individuals that choose to engage it. Brian, talk about freebibleteaching.com um, and just this great free resource where you can not only listen to unanswered Bible study teaching, but some other great Bible study teaching as well. Yeah, this is great. So we developed unanswered to be done with groups, of course, and we've said that over the course of the of our time together, and I would reiterate it here that that's, that's perhaps the best way. Mm-hmm. But just because you don't have a group does not mean we, we don't want that to be a way that you can't engage it. So what we've done is we have put your audio content from the video and made it available at freebibleteaching.com, the URL that you have. So an individual can go and download that audio teaching, um, and you can listen to it. Your listeners, uh, our listeners, can listen to it anytime they want. You know, mm-hmm. I like to do it when I'm running or when yeah. I'm driving, but if you're just sitting around the house, you can do that. And then you've got the Bible study book, or you can download the EPUB also at LifeWay.com. And, you know, for those of you that – or those of us that don't want to actually have the physical copy, and you can have your own personal devo- devotion using this content. Before, Jeremiah, before we made the audio available, that would have been pretty difficult to do. You would have had to buy the whole leader kit, which you know, is really more than you need and probably more than most people want to spend on a six-week devotional. And friends, I want to just say, um, as it relates to unanswered Bible study, um, unanswered lasting truth or trending questions, all of my audio teachings are additional bonus content to what you read in the actual Bible study book, meaning there's no overlap. So if you any of these questions that Brian and I have been discussing this month of December on the radio show, um, we just do a deep dive in the actual audio portion. So they're anywhere from, I think, 22 to 28 minutes, somewhere in there. So it's a real sweet spot for you to get additional answers to the questions that we address in the Unanswered Bible Study. One of those questions, paranormal, the new normal, uh, I was approached by LifeWay Bible Studies for Life, which is a different curriculum line than the general studies, which Unanswered falls in that category. And I did a six-week study called The Dark Side, Brian, that was used uh, in the Bible Studies for Life line. And I just love this. I mean, if I, if I could pick, put my finger on any Bible study curriculum to use in my own home Bible, and Bible study, I would immediately reach for BSFL, Bible Studies for Life. Uh, and Brian, you actually, you actually brought something up I wanted to mention because I'm working on another Bible study for BSFL right now called Answering, uh, Answers to Tough Questions. And I was actually working on the introduction to the Bible study earlier today before this interview. And I was just looking at the fact that where is the first question mark in the Bible? Have you ever looked at that? Have you ever studied that for our listeners and those that are listening to this later on the podcast? The first question of the Bible is actually rooted in atheism. And it comes to us not from God, not from man, but it comes to us from the adversary, from Satan. The very first question in the Bible is, has God said? You can go look it up at the first part of Genesis chapter 3. And it literally, that question, all the ills of the world, what Brian was just saying, 
um, all of the doubts come from doubting, has God said, or can I trust myself atheistically in place of God? And so I'm actually pivoting off that a little bit because uh, there's, 3, 000, there's some 3,200 questions in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? And I said in a different segment, uh, we actually have two promises for every question in the Bible. Isn't that interesting to think about? About 3,200 questions in the Bible. There's over 7,400 promises in the Bible. So there's two promises for every question you have in the Bible. But, uh, Brian, I want you to just talk for a few minutes, if you would, about Bible studies for life, the curriculum, um, and the time that remains, and how people can absorb this material as well. I know it's used by something like, I don't want to misstate it, is it used by over a million Christians? And can you just talk about it for a few minutes? That's correct. Over a million, over a million believers every week engage the Bible studies for life content. So at LifeWay, we call them starting points. So we have three starting points. One is theology, and that's the gospel project. Um, there's the Word, which is explore the Bible, and then there is life as a starting point. And uh, our Bible study curriculum that begins with life. Now, that does not mean that the Gospel Project is void of life application in the Word. That does not mean that explore the Bible is void of theology or life application. It's just the starting point. It's what they lead with. So Bible Studies for Life as a curriculum line leads with life application, hmm. leads with the question or the topic, that life situation. I think the German is Seats and Lieben. Is that right? Am I, yeah. my German? Yeah. Is, am I on the there? The spirit of the – yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> you didn't see that coming, did you? Good for you. So it, it, and, and then it's inclusive of the applicable theology and the scripture. And so Bible studies for life is that life application story point to where the dark side is found and uh, answering the tough questions. And so, yeah, it's going to hit you squarely where you tend to live life. Uh, consistent with that is the way it's formatted. So uh, the videos tend to be quite a bit shorter. It's much more discussion friendly uh, in terms of leading a Bible studies for life group. It's, it puts a very high emphasis on the question. And there's a helpful leader guide as a part of it. That, and the leader guide is different, Jeremiah, is that the leader guide is developed not so much as an answer key, but as a way that you can understand where this study is trying to take people. And so the leader guide will take the question and, and give you why this question is important and how it should be answered and why it is where it is in the study, which we think is fairly innovative in the Bible study world. Wow, fantastic. Brian, before you go, I ask all of my 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 uh, guests on the Jeremiah Johnson Show to tell us what is an unanswered question that perhaps you have dealt with, transcended, struggled with, or perhaps you still have that question um, in your Christian journey. Uh, I would love to hear from you as someone that uh, gives leadership to so many Bible studies. I mean, if you could ask God anything, what would it be? Wow, not to put anybody on the spot, right? How much time do we have? <laughs> we have about so, 90 seconds. <laughs> about, right. Yeah, that's right. I would say I was with one of our authors recently who had just gotten back from Nepal, and um, he was he was overwhelmed with the level of not just urgent physical needs but urgent spiritual needs. And um, he was very honest, and this is one of the foremost theologians that I know, and he was very honest with how you begin to reconcile these two things. And one of the questions he had, which I think in in that context, I would say, is what about these people in these outermost, very remote locations that never 
that never have heard of never have heard the gospel ever and won't. Mm. Mm. How does that how does that square with what we know to be true about the afterlife and about heaven and hell and just the truth of scripture? So that's mm. one of the ones I think that's most recently emerged and it's mm. one of those that just it kind of comes back. I don't know about you, but there's these questions that just kind of bubble up every so often but that's, uh, that's one of the reasons i wish we had more time we could do a whole show on that brian because i asked a similar question to a gentleman who gave leadership to over a thousand missionaries on the interior of china once and i wish we could discuss that we're out of time for today but i do want to let people know if you love listening to the kind of content brian's giving out i want you to subscribe to his podcast that's put out by the lifeway leadership podcast network it's called the group's answers podcast with chris surrett and brian daniel I want to encourage you to subscribe to that. I want to encourage you to connect with Brian at BC Daniel on Facebook, or excuse me, on Instagram and Twitter. Find him on Facebook. Um, Brian, uh, you are a great friend. I'm excited about all we're going to continue to do together to impact the kingdom. Thank you for your generosity of your time to join us this month as we've highlighted the unanswered Bible study for this Christmas season. And I hope that you will join us again as we talk further about equipping and resourcing Christians to love God with their heart, soul, and mind, according to Matthew 22:37. Uh, will you join us again in future days? Absolutely. Let's do it again. Awesome, Brian. Thanks for joining us, friends. Stay with us. I'll be back with some final thoughts. And don't forget, you can submit your questions to me over at AskJJJ.com. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. This is our final segment today where we're discussing Bible-ish Christianity, why most Christians know just enough about the Bible to be dangerous. And there's a couple of footnotes that I want to leave you with today. Number one, having listened and participated with this entire program, will you make a new, a fresh commitment to bathe your minds in the scripture? Will you make a commitment to have consistency and continuity in your Christian faith as it relates to the Bible? Please make a commitment to study and to meditate on the scriptures every single day. I was recently with an individual who had unprecedented access to Billy Graham. In fact, he spent 13 months with Dr. Graham during his life as they were working on a book together. And this individual made an interesting statement. He said that Dr. Graham was committed to doing two things, the two things that we are commanded to do in Scripture. He, we, he, he was committed, number one, to pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing. And number two, Dr. Graham was committed to searching the Scriptures. He was committed to those two things, praying without ceasing and searching the Scriptures. We can talk all about the Bible's veracity. We can talk about its reliability. We can talk about the perseverance of the scriptures, the miracle it is that we have a Bible today at all. And yet, friends, if we stop there, it's all head knowledge. If you leave that just saying, that's great, the Bible's true and trustworthy, and yet you never crack it open, you're like Mark Twain said, as we quoted early in the program, you know, classic is a book people praise and never read. Friends, we've missed the point if that's what happens. I'm asking you, will you make a commitment to read the Bible again? Remember what I wrote about in Unimaginable, Everick Storms, the wonderful Bible teacher, Sunday school teacher from Kitchener, Ontario, 
stopped on the 27th time reading his Bible. And before he picked it up and started reading it for the 28th time, he took a year and a half to map every promise in the Bible. And do you remember he actually mapped them? He had heard there might be two or 3,000 promises in the Scripture. And when he mapped them, there were 7,437 promises in God's Word. He bathed his mind in the Scripture every day. And so if we took a look at your calendar, what would it reveal? So please, and I'm speaking to myself, make a new and fresh commitment. We have the living, active, powerful scriptures. We need to bathe our minds and our hearts in these every single day. I pray that you will do that. And right along with that, as we pray, or excuse me, as we read the scriptures, we pray without ceasing. Pray for that loved one. Pray for that challenge. Friends, this has been the Jeremiah Johnston Show. We've been discussing Bibleish Christianity. This has been part of our Unanswered series. Guess what? Next week finishes off the series. We're going to be looking at the most challenging question of all. What do we do when we experience loss, evil, suffering, and pain? Stay with us. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network. See you next time. Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.